0: Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 536 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And today we got a lot to do, uh, beginning with second half predictions. Obviously, the Rangers are coming out of the All-Star break here. They're going to be back in action tonight, Tuesday night. Uh, against the Boston Bruins. Very much looking forward to this. Getting the second half underway here as the Rangers continue to uh, hopefully push their way to the playoffs and maybe even get prepared for a deep run. But we're going to make a couple of predictions. Uh, some of them are probably not too surprising, some of them are a little bit out there, and some of them are just kind of for fun. But uh, we're going to have a good time doing that today, talking a little bit, like I said, about just certain things that I think could and in many cases will happen. For the rest of the season here. Also, going to be talking some Olympic hockey. Obviously, the women's gold medal game is set to the surprise of almost no one. It's going to be Canada versus the United States. And the uh, men's knockout round is underway, or it's underway at least by the time you'll be hearing this. And uh, obviously, the United States got a bye, Canada did not. Canada uh, will be playing China in the. Opening round of the knockout stage of the uh, Olympic tournament here. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, but we're going to keep most of the focus right here on the New York Rangers. And like I said, just going to run through a couple of different predictions that I have for this team the rest of the season here. We're going to begin with uh, kind of a series of predictions. One of them kind of runs into the next one. You'll you'll see what I mean in just a second here. But uh, I'm going to say. As it pertains to the Metro Division, I think the Rangers end up coming in second place. The Canes are going to win the division. I think the Penguins are finally going to cool off a little bit. I don't say that lightly because they've been one of the hottest teams in the NHL uh, after getting off to a little bit of a slow start and, uh, you know, kind of stumbling out of the starting blocks there. And again, I don't say that lightly because I think the Penguins, they're one of those teams that tends to be pretty aggressive around the trade deadline, and I do think they'll make their team better, but I think the Rangers are going to make their team better as well. And I think the Rangers are going to finish just a little ahead of the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think the Rangers have another uh, really hot streak in them. You know, we saw them win 11 out of 12 uh, early in the season this year, and obviously they've been a good team really throughout the entire regular season. I don't think they've really had uh, what you would call a bad stretch yet this season, but I think the Rangers, we're going to see them at some point go on another tear where they win like 8 out of 10 games or 9 out of 11 or like, you know, 13 out of 17, something like that. Something along those lines where the Rangers are going to get really hot again. I think that'll put them ahead of the Penguins. But like I said, uh, I think the Canes, you know, they got a heck of a team over there, and I think they're going to win the division. So I think the Rangers come in second place. I think the Penguins come in third place, that would leave the Washington Capitals in fourth place, but with the Rangers being in second place and the Penguins being in third place, that would, of course, set up a first-round playoff clash between the two teams, and I think said playoff series is going to go seven games before the Rangers finally prevail. I know that's a lot. I kind of stacked one prediction on top of the next, but... If uh, all of those oddly specific predictions come true, I'm I'm definitely going to be looking pretty good. And regardless of what happens, I think once we get into the offseason, we'll take a look back at these predictions that I made here, see how I did. Like I said, some of them are not too crazy. Some of them are a little bit out there um, and, you know, kind of bold. But uh, regardless of what happens, we'll see uh, how how these predictions hold up at the end of the season. Another one that I'm going to throw at you guys, and again, this one is not too far-fetched, Given the first half that Chris Kreider had, but I'm going to say Chris Kreider actually does it. He's going to lead the NHL in goals at the end of the season. Uh, if he's tied for the uh, NHL lead league in goals, then I, I think I get that one right as well. But he's currently tied with Leon Draisaitl. Both Kreider and Draisaitl have 33 goals. Now Draisaitl does have two games in hand on Chris Kreider, so he's got a little bit more, uh, you know, time to work with, so to speak. And you know, Austin Matthews is right behind both of them. He's got 32 goals. I think with uh, Kreider and Dreisaitl, you know, Dreisaitl certainly could get hot and he'd be a more popular pick to lead the league in goals at the beginning of the season. One of two things is going to happen with the Oilers. Either they're going to find their game and they're going to get hot and they're going to really push forward and work their way back back into the playoff picture and at least resemble the team that I think a lot of people thought that they were before the season started. A lot of people had the Oilers as, you know, maybe Stanley Cup champions, and if not champions, at least Stanley Cup contenders. They haven't been anything but so far uh, this season. But if they get back into it, then I think Drysdale is going to be one of the guys obviously leading the charge, and he'll be scoring goals left and right Or the exact opposite is going to happen. The Oilers are going to stumble in the second half here. They're just not going to play very well. It's just going to be one of those seasons, and we see it in every sport with different teams, where despite there being high offseason expectations, it's just one of those seasons where it doesn't come together. And if that happens, I can see the Oilers playing some pretty lethargic hockey down the stretch, and Drysdale kind of falls off. Uh, But, you know, obviously there's a lot of great players in this league. I mean, like we said, Austin Matthews, just one behind Chris Kreider. Alex Ovechkin has 29. He can get hot at any given time. But the reason why I think Kreider actually pulls this off, and I mentioned this not too long ago when we were talking about uh, certain Rangers potentially winning awards at the end of the season, is because this formula with Chris Kreider, to me is very, very repeatable. He's a tremendous net front presence. He's going to get some deflection goals. He's become just ridiculously good at that. Uh, He's going to stuff in some goals uh, from some loose pucks there in the crease. And obviously, he's somebody that defends and have a heck of a time trying to move out of there. I just think Chris Kreider is going to continue to basically do what he's been doing and continue to put pucks in the net. And, you know, he'll get a couple that are snipes as well. It's easy to forget that he has a heck of a shot. We've seen him score a couple of goals that way, you know, where he'll just unleash a shot from one of the you know, face-off circles or whatever it might be. But uh, he's obviously scored most of his goals, you know, the the hard way. Deflections and stuffing goals right there from the doorstep. But he'll snap off a couple of wicked shots every now and then too. I think Chris Kreider's going to do it. I think he's going to lead the NHL in goals at the end of the season. And we're going to keep rolling with this. I got a bunch more written down that I want to get to. But first, just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Primal Origin Oils. Got beard? Get primal. You heard me right. Got beard, get primal. If you or someone you care about has a beard, it needs to get primal. Maybe you're that guy who has never considered the benefits of treating your beard with product primal origin oils will stop the itch and make your beard look healthy and groomed the products are free from harmful synthetic ingredients and with low impact on our planet primal origin oils makes bombs oils and whipped butter that are renowned as the best feel in beard products available all products are fair trade certified and handcrafted in the united states The combo kits make a great holiday gift, and if you're shopping for yourself, you will be glad you did. We know that every company claims to have the best, but Primal Origin Oils challenges you to compare their ingredients and the feel and beard to the other products you've used. We promise you will see and feel the difference. Remember the code LOCKEDON gets you 20% off at PrimalOriginOils.com. Use the code LOCKEDON at checkout for 20% off. All right, just want to thank everybody for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. Make sure to check out Olympic Hockey Daily presented by Locked On NHL, a bonus podcast covering all the action in Beijing. You can find it on the Locked On NHL podcast feed. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we'll go ahead and just kind of keep rolling with some second-half predictions here and something else that I'm going to throw out there. Obviously, we've been talking about, you know, trade rumors quite a bit on here and different targets, guys that might make sense for the Rangers to bring in, uh, preferably a rental, but in some cases, you know, maybe somebody who could be a little bit more than a rental. You know, JT Miller certainly comes to mind. That would be tough because, obviously, if you take on Miller, he's still under contract next season. That could spell the end of Ryan Strom's time with the New York Rangers. We've talked about that in the past, but I'm going to make a prediction right now that the Rangers are going to trade for either Phil Kessel or Riley Smith. And the reason I'm throwing out these two names... Uh, First of all, they both play right wing, which is where the Rangers are just ridiculously thin right now, especially with Capo Caco being out of the lineup. Another reason is that they are both rentals. You know, they'd both be free agents after this season, and I don't think either one of them would be too likely to re-sign with the New York Rangers. Not that they're not, you know, useful players or anything like that, but I can't see the Rangers making, you know, a long-term commitment, especially to Kessel, but probably not to Riley Smith either. Uh, They're both solid players who could step in and play a middle six role for the Rangers, but I just don't see the Rangers... Targeting one of those true top tier trade pieces that might be available at or near the deadline this season. I mean, we've gone over some of these these names, you know, Claude Giroux's name comes to mind. And as I talked about when we discussed Giroux in greater detail in a preceding episode, I almost kind of talked myself into the idea of the Rangers and the Flyers doing some business and bringing Claude Giroux as a rental. But when it comes right down to it, I just have a hard time seeing that happen. And I see it as being more of a detriment to the Rangers than it is to the Flyers. Because if the Flyers trade Claude Giroux to the Rangers, okay, that's a little bit weird for them. But again, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. He'll most likely be on his way and sign somewhere else, uh, not with the Rangers. But for the Rangers... If they trade for Claude Giroux, then presumably they're going to be giving up some prospects as well. And man, a move like that, you know, you bring in Claude Giroux just as a rental for half of a season and maybe a playoff run, you could be haunted by that for years. You know, if the Rangers send some significant prospects to the Flyers, you know, the Flyers are obviously going to have designs of those guys becoming a big part of their NHL team. And so I just don't see the Rangers doing that. I don't see them putting themselves in that kind of a situation where, you know, some of their prospects can go on to play for a division rival for the next decade and absolutely kill the Rangers. You wouldn't do that just to have Claude Giroux for half of a season, I don't think. Uh, Jacob Chikrin, again, I I just don't really see it. I I don't really see the need for the Rangers to make that move. They have four great defensemen on the team right now, a fifth great defenseman emerging in Braden Schneider, and they've got other young defensemen on the way as well. And I just don't think that bringing Jacob Chikrin and his $4.6 million cap hit for the next three seasons, no less, is really all that wise of a move to make. So I don't think they go after him. Like I said, when you look at Kessel and Smith, these are guys that I don't think the Rangers are going to have to necessarily break the bank for, I think it'll be a pretty reasonable asking price from either the Knights or the Coyotes, whichever one of them ends up getting moved. I mean, they'll probably both get moved, but you know what I mean, whichever one ends up coming to the New York Rangers. Also, the fact that they both play right wing and would immediately give this team an upgrade. I'm not always the biggest Phil Kessel guy, but you you look at the Rangers right wing right now, there's no way he can't help at least a little bit. And uh, ditto for Smith as well. So I think those are the two most likely guys to be traded to the New York Rangers. Could they bring in more than one piece? It's definitely possible. But if the Rangers make a move for, you know, a middle six forward, which I think is what they're going to be in the market for, I think it's going to be one of those guys. I think it will either be Kessel or Smith. But we'll see how that shakes out. Also going to make a prediction right here and right now that Igor Shesterkin will be your 2021-2022 Vesna winner, and that's not going to be easy. There's a lot of goalies having tremendous seasons. It's also not going to be easy when you consider the fact that Igor Shesterkin was not even an all-star. He definitely should have been. Unfortunately, he was not. But, you know, you look at Igor Shesterkin's stats right now, and you compare them to some of the other goalies that he's neck and neck with, and you look at some of the other goalies in and of themselves. You know, obviously right now, uh, Freddie Anderson for the Carolina Hurricanes, he's making a heck of a case for Vesna. Jacob Markstrom for the Flames, he's having a great season. Tristan Jerry's having a great season. So, you know, Andre Vasilevsky, he'll have a, a really strong second half too, I'm sure. But you look at this and the, Goalie with the best goals against average in the league. If you ignore Billy Huso which I think we have to because Huso has only played 16 games, he's going to have to play uh, just an absolute boatload of games down the stretch for him to get really any consideration for the Vesna. But Freddie Anderson leads the way with a 2.04 goals against average. Igor's right behind him in second place with a 2.10. Then you've got Markstrom at 2.12. You've got Tristan Jerry at 2.20. And then, you know, the other big stat here is obviously save percentage. Igor Shosturkin leads the NHL with a 9.37 save percentage. Freddie Anderson behind him with a 9.29. Pavel Frankos has a 9.27, although he's only played in eight games, so I don't think he gets any consideration at all. In fact, I know he doesn't get any consideration at all. Then you've got Jacob Markstrom at 9.26, and Tristan Jerry and UC Saros at 9.25 each. And again, I think right now it's Igor Shosturkin and Freddie Anderson. The only guy that I think you can really make a case that should Get the award more so than Igor Shesterkin, at least to me, eyeballing these stats. And I know I don't see these goalies play every single night, but just going by the numbers here, I think it comes down to Igor Shesterkin or Freddie Anderson, at least in terms of how things currently stand. And when you look at Freddie Anderson for his career, again, very solid goalie, not truly, truly elite. I think his numbers, despite playing on a great Carolina Hurricanes. Team are going to come back down to earth at least a little bit. And I think Igor's going to get a little bit of separation there from Freddie Anderson. As long as Igor stays healthy and plays a good chunk of these games down the stretch, I think you're looking at Igor as your, once again, 2021 2022 Vesna winner. We're going to continue with some of these second half predictions in just a second here. But first, just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Lockdown New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.net. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey Boxing and UFC odds, right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts couple more award predictions to go over before we jump into some other things. A couple of random things at the end as well. But one that I wanted to throw out here, and this might upset a couple of Reindeer fans. I don't think Adam Fox is going to win the Norris Trophy this season. I'm not even saying that he doesn't deserve to win it. But if you look at the uh, field right now, it is really tight. Um, You know, I know that... With defensemen, it comes down to more than just points, although points do seem to carry a lot of weight when it comes to determining who wins the Norris Trophy. And, you know, you've got Victor Hedman with 48 points, Adam Fox and Roman Yossi with 47, Kale McCarr has 46, Chris Letang with 43, Aaron Eckblad with 41. Uh, The list goes on and on. There's a lot of defensemen having really strong seasons here. And something that I've noticed, you know, watching sports for as long as I have, anytime there's like a fairly prestigious award like this, I think that voters tend to kind of favor the guy that hasn't won the award in the past. I'm not even saying that that should be the case, but I just feel like that's kind of how it goes. If you are if you have a situation, like take this one for example, where there's three or four defensemen, it's just a deadlock, and you can make a strong case for all four of these guys potentially bringing home the Norris Trophy, I think in that situation... The voters, like I said, they tend to favor the guy who has never won it in the past. It's kind of like, all right, well, I can't decide here. Let's give the guy that's never won the award a little bit of recognition. And I think we could see that. And most specifically, I think we might end up seeing that with Kale McCarr. Uh, McCarr has 46 points this season, so he's only one behind Yossi and Fox and two behind Victor Hedman for the lead. But one thing that really stands out about Cale McCarr, he's got 18 goals. 18 goals from a defense, and he might get 30 goals from the blue line, which is pretty wild to think about. And I think if he accomplishes that feat, uh, he's going to be your Norris Trophy winner. On top of that, he is a plus 31. He is second in the NHL at defenseman, only to Devontae's. Devontae's is a plus 35. And as far as time on the ice per game, Adam Fox is not as high on this list as you might think. He's 17th in the league, averaging 24 minutes and 26 seconds of ice time per night, whereas... Kale McCarr, I mean, he's not that far ahead of Fox. He's at 25.02 per night, and he's in 13th place. But I just don't know that you can ignore the fact, and I know there's more to hockey than than scoring goals. I get that. But a defenseman who is going to push for 30 goals in a season, that's pretty wild. And again, Kale McCarr has never won the award. I could see the voters, you know, if it's kind of a deadlock at the end, favoring him at least a little bit. We go from a Ranger who I don't think is going to win an award to one that I think will, and that is Gerard Gallant. I think he's going to win coach of the year this year. I mean, when you think about it, and again, first of all, let me just acknowledge the fact that, yes, there are a lot of uh, candidates around the NHL, a lot of coaches who would make great picks this season, but when you consider the fact that the Rangers have been kind of, I don't want to say a downtrodden franchise because they've been in a rebuild. They've been going through their growing pains as any team that undergoes a full-fledged rebuild is going to have to do, but Gerard Gallant is in his first season as New York Ranger head coach, and he's got this team, very young team, mind you, you know, third youngest team in the NHL coming into the season. He's got them playing at a tremendously high level, and there's obviously tremendous expectations that come with uh, being a professional sports team in New York. I don't know if that'll factor into it or not. But, I mean, again, this this Ranger team, you know, you look back to just the end of last season, they were kind of in turmoil. You know, the GM's getting fired. The uh, president is getting fired. Jeff Gordon and John Davidson no longer with the team, and then the writing was on the wall for the coach to be fired as well. Obviously, David Quinn was fired when the season ended, but it was a little bit chaotic. They went through a lot last season, you know, fight night with the, the Tom Wilson stuff and everything. There was a lot of drama, everything that happened with Tony D'Angelo, and Gerard Galant comes in, and right away, I mean, it's basically a 180. This is a team that's looking like a true contender, a team that might be a buyer come trade deadline time. They seem to show up with their A game just about every single game, which is uh, doubly impressive when you consider the fact that they have such a young team. So, uh, Gallant, and, and again, you know, look at what some of his players have done. There's a lot of guys on this team who are having the best season of their NHL career, or close to the best season of their NHL career. So, uh, show me a reason why he shouldn't be the NHL's Coach of the Year this season. I think Gallant wins it, and I think he should win it. Here's one of my bolder predictions for this exercise here. I'm going to say Alexi Lafreniere becomes a two-thirds of a point-per-game player the rest of the way. I'm not going to go all the way with this and say that he's going to become a point-per-game player. He's played 45 games so far for the Rangers this season, scored 10 goals, dished out three assists. Uh, For starters, I think Lafreniere is going to stick in the top six, certainly for the foreseeable future and probably for the rest of the season. Because again, you look at the Rangers' depth chart right now, they have basically no options at right wing, and I realize Lafreniere is predominantly a left winger, but it's looking like he's going to be playing on the right wing with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider, given, again, that the Rangers are just completely depleted at right wing, and that also leads me to my next point. He's going to be playing with Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad. We see the kind of season that the two of them have had so far, and something that's really surprising for me about Lafreniere this season is the fact that he only has three assists, because I feel like Not always, but in a lot of games, you see him making some pretty crisp, pretty accurate passes, and it's just surprising to me that he's only picked up three helpers all season. I mean, you would think he would luck his way into more than three assists by now. Uh, So that's just kind of baffling that he doesn't have more than three, but, you know, again, he's going to be playing out there with Mika and Kreider. We just got done talking about how good Kreider is in front of the net and how he... Is become just so in his element, you know, redirecting pucks into the net and uh, cleaning up loose change from the doorstep there. Lafreniere is going to put the puck toward the net, and criers going to take care of the rest. That's going to have to happen at least a couple of times uh, throughout the second half of the season here. And on top of that, have you guys seen Mika Zibanejad's one-timer lately? I mean, it's especially prevalent on power plays, and I realize uh, Lafreniere and Mika probably aren't going to play together on the main advantage. But be that as it may, they're going to get some ice time together, 5v5 and if Lafreniere can dish to Mika and Mika's in the right spot on the rink, you know, if he's over there on the left side or wherever he might be, maybe in the slot or the high slot area, Mika's going to unleash just some absolute bombs that are going to get past the goalie. And I think you know a guy that's an accurate passer like Lafreniere seems to be, he'll put it right on a tee for Mika. Mika will take care of the rest. So you're going to see an uptick in production from Alexi Lafreniere. I can't imagine that that doesn't happen at some point in the second half. Maybe there's part of me that's just trying to speak this into existence. But I I really got to believe that Alexi Lafreniere is due for maybe not a total breakout, but a mini breakout. And like I said, I'm not going to go point per game player. That might be a bridge too far right now. He's going to become a two-thirds of a point-per-game player the rest of the way. And again, we're going to look at all these at the end of the season and see how I did here. Uh, For what it's worth, Lafreniere scored a goal in each of the Rangers' final two games before the break there. So hopefully that's a sign of what's to come, and hopefully, like I said, he can take advantage of playing on a line with Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad. This one is just a total shot in the dark, but obviously Capo Caco is out of the lineup right now, and he's out indefinitely. It sounds like it's going to be at least a month. I'm going to try to figure out which game he will make his return. And I'm going to say it's going to be at the tail end of March here, Wednesday, March 30th, on the road against the Detroit Red Wings. You know, the Rangers say a month, and I feel like the Rangers in general tend to paint a rosier picture. Then might be reality when it comes to injuries. I just feel like over the years, and to be fair, I haven't seen as many examples of this in recent seasons, but I feel like over the years, the Rangers always, like if they say somebody's going to be out for two weeks, he's going to be out for like five weeks. If they say somebody's going to be out for a month, he's going to be out for, you know, two months or more than two months. That just kind of seems to be how it goes with the Rangers. I don't know if anybody else has picked up on that either, uh, but I'm going to say, you know, given the fact that they're saying a month, I'm going to say it's going to be a little bit more than that. And I look at the end of March here. The Rangers have a back-to-back on Tuesday and Wednesday on March 29th and March 30th. They are at Pittsburgh, then they're at Detroit. I feel like there could be a situation where maybe Kako's ready to come back for the Tuesday and they say, well, you know, it's a back-to-back. Let's save it for the next night. And then on top of that, you got somebody fresh out there for the second game of a back-to-back. And they could kind of exercise caution in not wanting Kako to play both games of a back-to-back when he makes his return to the lineup. So again, total shot in the dark. I think it'll be... uh, Wednesday, March 30th, Capo Capocacco coming back to the lineup. We'll see at the end of the season if I overshot that or undershot it or somehow got it completely right. Here's a fun one for everyone. I say that somebody on the Rangers is going to fight P.K. Subban when those two teams next collide, which will be Friday, March 4th. They play at 7 p.m. at Madison Square Garden on that night. And I'm going to say it's probably going to be Chris Kreider. If you guys remember the preseason, uh, P.K. Subban just suddenly started slew-footing everybody. He slew-footed Ryan Reeves and caused Reeves to miss a couple of preseason games when the Rangers first played the Devils. And then Kreider tried to fight him later in the game, and P.K. Subban wanted no part of it. He wouldn't drop his gloves. And then they actually did get into a fight, but they both fell to the ice really quickly a little bit later in that game, so it really wasn't much of a fight, but somebody's going after P.K. Subban uh, when you also consider the fact that when the Rangers played the Devils in the regular season, Subban struck again, he slew foot Sammy Blay. he tears Sammy Blay's ACL, and Sammy Blay is out for the season because of a garbage play by P.K. Subban. So uh, it's time for a receipt, and I think the Rangers are going to give P.K. Subban one uh, when they collide, like I said, on Friday, March 4th. I think uh, somebody's going to drop the gloves of P.K. Subban. And, you know, if I'm Kreider, whichever Ranger is challenging him to a fight, if he tries to pull that nonsense where he just doesn't drop his gloves and doesn't fight, give him warning and say, dude, I am going to fight you. We are going. I'm dropping my gloves and I'm going to start throwing punches. And it's on you if you don't protect yourself, because uh, obviously you know Subban. It's becoming an epidemic with him this season. Four Slewfoots early in the season. Two again. Two of them against the Rangers. And uh, sooner or later, uh, there's got to be a receipt coming for for what PK Subban has done to the players on this New York Ranger team. We're lucky he didn't take out two players for the entire season, because it was a dangerous play against Ryan Reeves as well. And obviously, Sammy Blay is somebody that could really be helping the Rangers if he were still available. And uh, Subban, sooner or later, he's going to have to face the music uh, when he next crosses paths with the New York Rangers. This next prediction might not be going on that much of a limb, but nevertheless, I'm still going to say Braden Schneider is in the NHL for good. This guy is not being sent back down to the Hartford Wolfpack, and he's not coming out of the lineup as a healthy scratch, provided he does not get injured doesn't end up on the COVID list and does not get traded, which I don't think that'll happen. I don't think the Rangers are going to deal Braden Schneider. Braden Schneider will play every single game for the New York Rangers down the stretch this season, and he will play every single playoff game as well. And yes, as I say this now, it's not necessarily the most bold prediction that I've ever made on this podcast because obviously he's played quite well in the time since the Rangers have called him up. But I would have said the exact same thing about two games into his NHL career because, again, the skinny on this guy has always been that he has a very safe floor and that there was no reason why, in due time, he won't eventually be a top four defensemen on an NHL team and he's not even in the top four for the Rangers which tells you how good their other defensemen are I think Schneider could maybe even play in the top four right now if push came to shove but regardless I don't think there's any way possible that he's coming out of the lineup or being sent down or anything like that Braden Schneider is here to stay and his game you know being a big kid he's six foot two two hundred and ten pounds His game translates very well to NHL playoff hockey. He's also got 18 hits in his first 10 games. And I think those hits per game are only going to increase. You know, the more and more comfortable he gets at the NHL level, the more and more assertive he's going to be. I mean, he certainly doesn't look uncomfortable or anything like that. But again, the more you play in the NHL, the more you get acclimated to your surroundings, the better you feel about yourself. And I think you're going to see Braden Schneider. The best of Brayden Schneider is yet to come. Let's put it that way. But uh, Braden Schneider, like I said, in the NHL and on the Rangers to stay. I'm going to have to pick up the pace a little bit here for these last couple of predictions because I still want to talk about some Olympic hockey, but uh, here's one of my bolder ones. Filipito gets traded by the Rangers this season. Alex Georgiev does not. Filipito has just kind of struggled. I mean, that's basically the long and short of it. If I'm the GM of a rebuilding team, though, this guy has shown some flashes. He's very young. His trade value is down a little bit. I see Filipito, who, again, is only 22 years old, unless he turned 23 recently, which I don't think he did. Uh, Very young player and somebody that you can buy low and get as just part of a package. Whereas with Alex Georgiev, I think the Rangers see him as Igor Shosturkin. Insurance, Igor's had uh, you know a couple of injuries since coming into the NHL, and Georgiev mostly has played well this season. His stats aren't great. He has a record of 7-7-2 a goals against average of 299 and a save percentage of 898. Uh, but the weird thing about Georgiev is, When he has it, he has it, and when he doesn't, he really doesn't have it. He has started 17 games this season, and in those 17 games, Georgiev has given up four or more goals in seven of them, including the last two before the break. Uh, But by that same token, he has nine games out of his 17 starts where he has given up two goals or fewer. So more than half of his starts, he's given up two goals or less. And again, I think the Rangers like him as Igor Shosturkin, insurance as this team, you know, gears up for hopefully a playoff run. I get the feeling he's still going to be dealt in the offseason, but I think he'll be with the Rangers the rest of the season. I don't know that Filippito will be, but again, something we'll keep our eyes on and uh, we'll check in and see how we did, like I said, at the end of the season. Here's a completely off-the-wall prediction, one that's a little bit out there, but we got to have a little bit of fun, you know, doing these second-half predictions here, and uh, I'm going to say Igor Shosturkin is going to score a goal this season. You heard me right. I've been saying on here that, you know, at some point throughout his career, sooner or later, you know, the Rangers are going to have a two-goal lead. Obviously, you wouldn't want to mess around too much with just a one-goal lead, but the Rangers are going to have a two-goal lead. Igor's going to get the puck. He's going to see some daylight in front of him, and he's just going to lift the puck straight down the ice into the empty net and score. And, you know, again— it's going out there a little bit, but I think Igor's going to be good for at least one goal through his career. And why not this season? We've seen him make some really nice passes this season. Uh, He does not have an assist yet, but he's uh, started some rushes. You know, there was a game not too long before the break where, uh, you know, he passed ahead and if they gave out three assists on every goal, instead of just two, uh, Igor would have had the third assist on it. It went from him to another guy, to another guy, to the goal scorer. I think Panarin was involved there. I think Igor passed to Panarin. I think Kreider might've been the guy who eventually scored the goal Uh, Uh, while the other team was caught in a line change. But I think Igor Shosturkin, why not? It's going to happen sooner or later. He's going to get himself a goal before his playing career is over. Why not this season? He's going to bag one before the regular season ends. And you know what? I'm actually going to include the playoffs in that. If Igor scores a goal in the playoffs, then that counts too. If I'm I'm predicting that a goalie is going to score a goal, I need all the help I can get. So yes, Igor gets one either in the regular season or in the postseason. Want to talk quickly here before we call it a day about the Olympics and specifically women's hockey. We had the two semifinals contested and Canada, once again, just squeaking by an opponent 10-3 to 3 this time. They take down Switzerland to punch their ticket to the gold medal game. And then the United States takes down Finland 4-1. Not an easy game for the United States. You know, it was scoreless after the first period. A uh, little bit of a grinded out kind of a game. The United States eventually... Gets it going in the second period. They score on the power play. A beautiful tic tac goal by Kayla Barnes. And then uh, just some good work on the four check. You had Coin Schofield. She was along the boards. She gets the puck back to Harmon. Harmon moves to the center of the ice. Her shot doesn't get through, but the bouncing puck lands right at the skates of Hillary Knight. And Hillary Knight uh, from the slot area shoots and scores late in the second period to make it two to nothing. And then uh, USA makes it three. 3 to nothing, which is 4.41 remaining. Finland gets one back with 26 seconds remaining, but then uh, the United States seals the deal with an empty netter with five seconds to go. So not an easy win for the United States. They've had to grind a little bit in both of their... Uh knockout round games, obviously beating Finland 4-1 and previously beating the Czech Republic 4-1 as well. But that sets up a gold medal game rematch between Canada and the United States. Canada beat U.S. 4-2 in the preliminaries. So we'll see how this goes. Finland and Switzerland will play for the bronze medal, but I'm definitely very much looking forward to seeing uh, who gets the gold medal, Canada versus United States, the two teams in the women's tournament that I think most people would have predicted would be in this situation. Indeed, they are going to be a great game. Very much looking forward to it. And also looking forward to the continuation of the men's tournament. Gonna watch as much of that as I possibly can, and uh, just try to balance everything with uh, Ranger hockey as well. Obviously, the Rangers will remain the focus on here, but we'll be talking at least a little bit about uh, Olympic hockey, and and certainly the gold medal game there, between uh, the United States women and the Canadian women. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked on New York Rangers your first listen every day. In our next episode, we're going to be breaking down everything that happens between the Rangers and the Bruins. Rangers finally back in action. Very much looking forward to that as well. Now make your second listen, Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets.